What's going on, everyone? This is Realtor Joe Simona, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Your Cup of Joe. Today I have with me one of the inspectors that all of my clients love, actually the only inspector that all my clients love, but an inspector that goes above and beyond and an inspector who gives some of the the best inspection report that goes in depth and that truly explains to you everything and who takes his time and provides all the services that you could think of as it relates to the actual home inspection. Today I have with me Greg Vichy. Greg, please introduce yourself for everyone. Yeah, good morning everybody. I am Greg Vichy and I'm a member of the American Society for Home Inspectors, ASHI, and I inspect uh, predominantly from about uh, the Detroit area all the way up through the top of the thumb. What is ASHI and how long have you been a home inspector? Okay, ASHI is the American Society for Home Inspectors. It's a professional organization that oversees the standards that inspectors are supposed to comply with. It also, in terms of vetting the inspectors, makes sure that they have passed a proctored exam, which is something that you can't do over the internet with an open book. Uh, ASHI establishes uh, a series of procedures for inspection of houses, pools, roofs, and a lot of the other components of a home to make sure that minimum standards are fulfilled by every inspector who does an inspection for a client. Got it. So do you have to be, in the state of Michigan, do you have to be a member of ASHI in order to inspect a home at, and declare yourself a home inspector? No, you can be unemployed and uh, with former telecom experience and decide that you're going to be a home inspector tomorrow and hang a shingle up. And if you're able to get jobs, you can do inspections. There's no licensing in the state of Michigan. Um, I, a lot of people say, oh, my God, we have to have licensing. I, I would just caution everybody that having a driver's license doesn't mean you know how to drive. There are a lot of people who can't drive. Uh, however, uh, licensing would probably filter out about the bottom 5 or 10% of people who shouldn't be in that career and uh, take them away from causing damage to, uh, to people's transactions and people's risk. Uh, as far as, as, far as uh, my length of uh, inspecting, I've been doing this for 26 years. And in that time, I started as a member of the National Association of Home Inspectors, NAHI, and that organization ended up going bankrupt in about, I think it was uh, 2016, and all the NAHI inspectors rolled under ASHI, and we've been, because of our standards, we're all very, very similar at that, at that point. So we're all ASHI members now, and uh, that means that we have continuing education. We have um, a series of things that we have to do to maintain our credentials, and uh, I would encourage anybody who's looking for an inspector to actually shop around and try to find somebody who's properly qualified because the variation in people who inspect is all over the map. Got it. What did you do before uh, home inspections? Well, actually during home inspections, I was an engineer in automotive, aerospace, and defense. And I spent close to 27 years in engineering. And in 1998, a very close friend of mine asked me to inspect a house for him. And I said, his name was Jim, and I said, Jim, there are people who do that. Why would you ask me to do that? He goes, well, you're the only person I trust. You're, you're a geek. You understand houses really well. You understand a lot of things. He goes, I'd like you to inspect it for me. So I did. Uh, I did so only after auditing close to 24 different inspection reports to find out what other people were 
were doing out there. And when I took a good hard look at what type of product inspectors were delivering, I was appalled. And I, I even looked at the one that I paid for when I bought my house in Gross Point Woods, and I, I couldn't believe, you know, for example, electrical system, house has a main panel, check. What the heck does that mean? It means nothing. And that's what I had paid $300 for at the time, and that's what everybody else was paying $300, $350 for at the time. This is 20 years, 25 years ago. And I, I literally was appalled at what, what was happening. So I sat down and I asked myself what should be done. And I created a longer list of items and attributes that related to the inspection process, and I started there. Once I joined ASHI, I, I amended my reports to make sure I fulfilled all of their standards as well, and I've been uh, doing that ever since. I also teach home inspection as a result of all the all the activity I've done in the, in this in this trade. For as long as I've known you, which is even prior to me being a licensed agent, when my uh, got a soul and my uh, late dad was an agent and actually a, a associate broker and then a broker. Uh, you have always provided unparalleled customer service. And one thing I respect about you the most is how you tell the client that they are your client, not the realtor. And as realtors, you have to realize that the inspector doesn't work for you. They weren't hired by you. Even if you call to schedule the appointment, it's they work for the client. They are providing an inspection report for the client. And that's one thing that I respect a lot about you, which a lot of realtors may, some realtors may have a hard time um, accepting the ones that I am very close with don't have a hard time accepting that because we understand that right. you work for the clients. As an inspector, you have to be brave enough to possibly alienate a, a realtor that you've not known before, who has never met you or is not familiar with your work uh, by taking care of the clients. And, and in the end, you, you cast your dice as to whether they ever will give you a referral again based on uh, the excellence of your, of your work. And you have to stand behind that. If you are catering to, if you are catering to catering to uh, somebody else's whims, you stand a really good chance of compromising your integrity and compromising the content of your report. And uh, as you're probably well aware, I do my best to take care of the client. The, the I'm a, one of the positions that I have is that the inspection tells you when it's done. It's the house. It's not me. I will go through the report. I will stay afterwards and answer all the questions that the client has at that point. And I ask them when I can leave. They are in control. I work for them. And by giving my hard work uh, sincerely uh, across the table to them and then following up with a, a very complete report that includes all the conversation and all the items that we discussed, I think that I've done my job properly. Absolutely. And I, I could tell you firsthand, I could tell everybody listening and watching firsthand that Greg will stay as long as you need to answer all the questions.
Greg is available afterwards for questions. It's not a, hey, I'm done, that's it, I got paid, I'm out of here, I provided the report. Greg always makes himself readily available. Greg, you've inspected homes from what would be small by definition to... Yeah, the smallest home was about 450 square feet. Believe it or not, they actually make a house that small. Really? Yeah. The largest, I think, was, uh, I want to say, fifteen or 16,000 square feet. Wow. Not including commercial work where I've done... I've done as many as 18 building uh, commercial production campuses. Aside from commercial inspections and residential inspections, you also provide uh, mold inspections. Do you, have to be cert- do you have to be certified for that? You don't have to be certified to that, but I am. Uh, I do. Basically, I'm a troubleshooter for homes. People who have odd, odd odors, odd sounds, uh, strange behavior of the electrical system or strange creaking or they've got new cracks. Uh, often we can try to figure out whether this is caused by humidity, caused by settling, caused by uh, moisture damage, whether it might be inside of walls, uh, under floors. Uh, as you're probably aware, there was a situation where water across the floor was creating mold upon a floor joist for the first floor structure. And it, sometimes it's just that uh, cause and effect relationship obvious. Sometimes it's really, really subtle, and it takes a while to figure these things out. Uh, I, I take a lot of pride in being able to troubleshoot houses. I've been working with real estate now for, including the times that I've renovated homes, probably 35, 40 years. So that's an awful lot of experience to try to figure out what's wrong. Yeah. I, I know you inspect homes all over. You know, you said you go up in, uh, to the thumb. Um and I know I've had you inspect a rather large resort in Houghton Lake, so two and a half hours away from the Metro Detroit area, so I know you go all over. Would, but would you say predominantly that a lot of your inspections take place in the Tri-County area? Yes. And you're familiar with homes in the area, you're familiar with the area specifically what the area is common for what the area is known for for the most part yeah you see a lot of patterns in a lot of the houses that you inspect two houses for example can look exactly alike one next to the other one could be made with uh, two by three trusses holding up the roof and the other could be stick built with uh, two by eight joists holding up the roof there's a huge difference in terms of the strength between the two houses but they'll typically be listed for the same amount because they're in the same area, the same square footage, and people don't know that one house is significantly different compared to the other. Uh, an inspector knows that. A good inspector knows that. Absolutely. But can you tell us, when you inspect the homes, no home is going to be perfect. Um, and even if you build your own home, and even if you have the perfect builder, there's going to be things that happen that are beyond the control of anyone. It just happens by nature, things that don't end up perfect. But in homes that you inspect, if you could tell us what the top three most common issues that you see arise in homes or that you see that something is wrong or needs to be fixed or needs attention in homes across the board, 
What would you say those top three issues are? Exterior water management is poor. Uh, electrical has been tampered with typically by the homeowner, and uh, there are usually defects in the roof. Those are the top three. You know, that's one, th one of them that you mentioned is something that the roof, is, uh, the water management and the gutters and the downspouts is something that I'm very, very familiar with uh, from your knowledge that you've passed on to me. And it's like sometimes you may see water in the basement, and I could, I could say in my opinion that probably nine out of ten times it's because the downspouts are not draining far enough away from the house. So that's uh, that's one of the things. And um, the roof is, yeah, when people don't pay attention to their roof and don't realize if it's neglected and maybe may not have the knowledge of it in most cases, that's, that's an issue as well. As far as electrical, I've seen this on a lot of the inspection reports that you provide. You may have a, uh, give me the name of a brand of a type of panel. And anyone? Square D, ITT. ITT. And then give me the name of another one. Siemens. Okay, you have a ITT and then you have a Siemens. Uh, you have one Siemens breaker on there, but you have an ITT yeah. panel. It works. It flips the switch. It flips the breaker. It turns it on. It turns it off. Why do you need to be worried about that? Yeah, you can, you can actually put a GE-type THQ a Siemens type QP, a Square D type HOM breaker in virtually any panel that occupies or that takes a, a normal standard breaker size. They will all function. They will all trip if there's an overcurrent condition. The problem is, is that most of those breakers are not rated for use in that panel. And if you're using a breaker that's not rated for use in the panel, it's kind of like using the wrong airbag in a car. What you're doing is you're invalidating the manufacturer's certification for that product. And if something goes wrong, then you are really risking the insurability of the home. Your insurance company has the right to come back and say, we are not going to honor a claim on your house because somebody has adulterated the electrical system. And we believe that the fire was caused by electrical uh, defects. And that gets to be really important. Sometimes it's as little as a $10 breaker is potentially going to be at risk of jeopardizing the insurability of the home in the event of loss. Wow, that's that's something else. Um, Greg, you have a you have compiled through your years of decades of work and experience a checklist that you give to the buyers, or do you fill it out? I know it's here with us today, but for those that are listening and not watching. What is this checklist? Oh, I have a buyer's checklist on my website. And the whole point of that is to help somebody, as you're buying a house, especially if you're a first-time buyer and you've never done this before, make sure you check off all the important things that you need to do as a buyer so that you don't miss anything important. So there's, uh, I think it's 17 items on the checklist. It's right on my website, a1-homeinspection.com. Dash is the same as a hyphen, not an underscore, but a1-homeinspection.com. And if you go there, that checklist will help you pick through things like how you should choose an inspector, what you should look for in a report, uh, how much time usually goes into a contract. And a lot of home buyers don't know that every term of the offer that they're going to make on the house that they're buying is subject to negotiation. They can, they can ask the sellers to hand them the keys in their pajamas if they want with fuzzy bunny slippers. 
sellers could reject it, but they can ask for that. So most buyers fall into a, a pattern of just going with standard reports and standard re, re, standard inspection clauses. And God help the people who get talked into doing a three-day inspection clause because you'll not be able to find an inspector typically within a three-day period. And the timing of the contract is the number four on the list. Uh, get the permit history. Check receipts for warranty coverage. And... Uh, well, I'd say go to the website and take a look at the list. There's 17 items on it. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to touch on is about warranties. You want to make sure that they're also transferable because right. sometimes they're sometimes they're not transferable. So they may say we have a you know 10 year warranty on a specific product or a it's a, a 25 year warranty on the roof, but if it's not transferable, what does that warranty mean? Well, take, take a look at the Bryant warranty on, there was a nationwide service campaign on Bryant plus 90 furnaces. And the original owner had a very generous warranty from the manufacturer. The second owner gets nothing. So in cases where people are buying a house that has a 90 plus furnace, I would tell them, check with a licensed uh, Bryant carrier pain day-night dealer, which is all under United Technologies, and have them check with the manufacturer on the registration of that unit. If it's never been registered, then that buyer can be the first owner. And that changes things substantially in terms of cost because a furnace is about $3,600. Wow. You've been doing this, you said, for 25 years, 26 years? 26 years as, this year. As a home inspector. Would you say, and it's okay to boast, I'm boasting about you. Would you say that you are pretty much, you have gotten certifications for almost everything inspection related that you don't need certifications for, for services that you provide? Well, actually being an engineer supersedes some of those. There, there are things that I've done. I have a background in nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare. So my qualifications in, in testing for radiation and mold and moisture damage and other things I've been very well vetted and trained in those areas as an engineer. Um, I sometimes get certifications in the industry to supplement what I have, but uh, it to me it's fun. I love all this. Yeah, absolutely, and it, I love your passion for it. Even though you've been in the business for the amount of time that you've been in there, 26 years, 25, 26 years, do you still find yourself still learning every day or do you still find yourself researching things to bring you up to speed oh yeah uh, i'd say probably about every fifth inspection i learn something new so what i do is i constantly go through and i adjust my inspection template and i also i have a, a usb drive that gets handed off to all my clients after the inspection that has my entire information library in it which is all the intellectual property that i've gathered over the years trying to figure out how houses work and what makes them break and how you fix them so that's, that's something that I deliver as part of my report. And most people don't talk about things like that. There are other inspection types that have binders that go out. Mine is a live document. It constantly changes. Got it. No, that's uh, I, I've noticed that, too, some of the small changes and, and whatnot. I, I've noticed that. And what I like is you, you'll put on your inspection report, you know, like uh, the estimated cost to 
uh, repair, fix, replace an item, and you say, if it's much more, call me. If it's much less, call me. Call me anytime you want. But that, that's a red that's uh, a red flag if it's a lot more or if it's a lot less. So uh, let me know that. And, and I warn everybody, I can't predict greed. So, I mean, if somebody wants to overcharge on a, on a contract, and I've seen this happen where $2,000 chimney repairs were quoted at $26,000, uh, if somebody's willing to sign a contract for that, that's what the guy's going to get out of you. And we just had one where uh, it was a chimney repair where I think it was supposed to be twenty to $30,000, but the guy did the right job, but just ended up doing it at a more much, much lower price, more efficiently, yeah. which is great. Uh, Greg, before we wrap up, outside of your professional work, I do want to commend you. You do a lot of charity work. Uh, from what I understand, you'll attend charity events? Yes, I do. I'm also on the board of directors for the Children's Discovery Center in Mount Clemens. So anybody who has children in the Mount Clemens area, we have a wonderful hands-on type facility that we're currently open weekends. And anybody who wants to stop by 54 Cherry Street in downtown Mount Clemens, we'd love to see you. Absolutely. Greg, I want to thank you so much for coming on here today. It means so much to me. I know it means a lot to my clients, especially those that have dealt with you in the past who see you again and they say this this person's not after just the one inspection report they actually care and they actually take pride in it and you provide a service that no other inspector that i've used has ever provided and for that i'm grateful my clients are grateful and I can't thank you enough uh, for that. Besides that, your your friendship as well means so, so much to me. Greg, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Your Cup of Joe. Stay tuned for the next one.